Hey, good morning. How you doing? Come on, let me hear you. Good morning. How you doing? Look, I know we're about six days away from Christmas, so some of you are physically exhausted, some of you are mentally exhausted, and some of you are just excited because you can't wait to get your presents. But uh, it's exciting to be together with you. Uh, technically, the, the last Sunday before Christmas, we will gather on Christmas Eve, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, my name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, uh, we want to say welcome. Just a couple of announcements for you. If you are visiting and you'd like to get connected, here's how we do that. We do that in two different ways. First, you can do it when you walked in, you were given kind of a paper connection card, and you can fill that out for us. Or you can do it digitally by what we call text to connect. And so you can text VICTORY18, the number's 31996, so 31996 in the number, uh, VICTORY18 in the message part, and that will send you a digital connection card. And whether it's the paper one or the digital one, if you're visiting with us today in person after service, we ask you to take that to our Welcome Center. Uh, they got a special gift they'd like to give you, and that just gives us an opportunity to reach out, to connect. I get a chance to give you a call, answer any questions that you might have, and, and try to get you moving forward in all the four Gs that you just heard through that video, Grow, God, Give, and Go. Uh, also, if you're looking for a way to give, we have so many people that support this church every month in fantastic ways, and we're, because of their faithfulness, uh, we're able to do so much, not only through this church, but in our community. And if you're looking for ways to give, we do that three ways. Uh, first is through our online portal. You can do that through uh, our website, tnvictory.com, or you can download our app. Second, you can text to give. That information is going to come up on the screen. You can do the same way you're texting to connect. Or as you're leaving today out of the auditorium, we'll have an auditorium host with a Victory Church bucket, and you can just put cash or check in there that way. I always try to take a moment and share what your money's doing. Uh, obviously, it's putting on a great church service for so many families here in this area. Obviously, it got us to a position where a couple of months ago, I guess now, a couple weeks ago, we announced that uh, we have a permanent facility that we'll move into of March of 2021. Come on, give God praise for that. Uh, cannot wait for that. Uh, more information in the new year on that. Um, but there's also so many things we do community-wise. And so, for example, I've been sharing this over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we teamed up with the YMCA here in Rutherford County, and we committed to provide Christmas for families that are currently in the uh, domestic abuse center here in Smyrna. So we teamed up with the YMCA. I'm excited to announce that we will give Christmas to over 20 families. Come on, that's incredible. It's incredible. And I met with the director of the Y uh, this past week just to go over the details, and he was all emotional. And I was like, man, what's, what's going on? And, and he's a big guy. I was like, you know, what are you emotional for? And he said, I just got the sheets. Uh, they waited kind of last minute to give us the information for the families because there's such a huge turnaround in that center. He said, I just got one of the sheets for one of the families, and the number one thing that they are asking for for Christmas is a high chair. And I was just like, wow. He, he was like, that just blew my mind. Think about that, that people would you know, want something that you and I consider just a normal necessity, that they'd be asking Santa Claus for that. And so again, because of your faithfulness, not only did we provide that young lady with a high chair, but we provided so many kids with so many Christmas presents. And I do want to invite you, in case you're interested, today from 3 to 5, we'll gather at the YMCA and we will wrap some of those presents um, and in preparation to deliver them, I think on Tuesday is when they'll be dropped off with the family. So if you're available from 3 to 5 at any point, swing through YMCA off of Sam Ridley Parkway here in Smyrna. Uh, we'll be wrapping those presents together. Amen? Uh, a couple other announcements. Right after service, we'll have water baptism. Uh, we have three people getting baptized, including two children, which is an awesome, awesome thing. So because of that, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, at the end of service, we'll go through a worship song. I really do want you to marinate in that worship song for a moment. But as you're dismissed, if you've got kids, 
book it to vKids and get your kids because we'd like not only your children, but our vKids workers to be able to watch the kids that they have been sharing the gospel with be baptized. And so you can linger all you want after you get your kid. You can linger in the hallway and talk. Uh, Don't rush out at the end of that song. I really want you to be able to receive what the Lord's got for you during that song. But as soon as it's over, go get your kids so that we can rejoice together in water baptism. Uh, Next Friday night is our Christmas Eve service. And so this is the last Sunday service for us of the year. We will not meet next Sunday, December 26th. Uh, We will meet Friday night, December 24th, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Uh, It is a family service, so all of our kids will be in here together. It is going to be a service full of songs and uh, cool activities, candle lighting. We're going to take communion together. Um, It's just going to be a beautiful little short message. It'll be a beautiful time together. The goal will be to have you out of here in about an hour and get you out so that you can get with your family and get ready for the holidays. And then, like I said, no Sunday service on the 26th. We'll be back in here on Sunday, January 2nd, okay? So we'd love to have you for that Christmas Eve service. I think it's going to be a beautiful time. Last but not least, we are in a series right now called Christmas at Victory, and we just finished our series, The Greatest Adventure, where we talk through finances and what it means to trust God with your finances. And so many people have stepped up uh, and, and taking that step of faithfulness. And there's a couple of things that we put as action steps for our church. Uh, one is to commit to Purpose Prevails. It's the end of year giving that we do here at our church. And we ask this for those who are already tithe. We say, hey, look, if you're already trusting God with your finances, pray. And whatever God says, if you pray and God says zero, don't give a dime. But if you pray and God tells you to give something, then step out in faith and give that end-of-the-year offering as a way of praising God for what he did this year. We actually had one of our Victory Church family members who, she, she lives currently in Atlanta because her job moved her. She's working on coming back here soon. But she drove in town yesterday just to drop off her Purpose Prevails money. And I just think that's awesome that you got people who are so committed. Who She's watching online every week, um, but, but she's so committed to the vision. And we've shared with the church that 100% of that Purpose Prevails money will go to getting our building ready for March. It'll go for the sign that goes up and the chairs and all kinds of different things that we need to be able to launch 1st of March of next year. Also, is God's guarantee. That's our challenge for those that have never tithed before. And I've spent weeks preaching through what the Bible says and what I believe is true about tithing. And then we stepped back and said, hey, listen, for anybody who really wants to step out and trust God for this, but it's difficult, we're going to allow you to do it through what we call God's guarantee, which after 90 days, the idea is that you would tithe from December, January, February, and after 90 days, if God has not sustained you financially, if you are not thankful for what God's done in your life financially, we will turn around and give you 100% of that money that you gave back because we just believe God's faithful. I believe when the Bible says, test me and see, I believe God meant it. And so there are so many great people that are taking that step of faith and trusting God, and I can't wait to share some of those testimonies with you. I will share one real quick before we jump into the Word today. I have a friend, um, a guy that I disciple, and he currently lives in, he moved to Dixon, and so that's one of the reasons why he doesn't come to Victory. He moved to Dixon, and he goes to a church out in Dixon, but he's been listening to our messages online, and when I would meet with him and disciple, I would talk about the greatest adventure and what we were going through. And he called me the week after the greatest adventure ended. And he said, man, listen, I got to tell you this. He said, uh, you know, me and my wife, he said, we've always been tithers. He said, we didn't necessarily always give it at the first of the month. He said, but we also never tithed on her check. He said, we always tithed on mine, but we didn't tithe on her. And he said, as I was listening to the sermons and just reading the scriptures, he said, I just believe that what I need to do is not only tithe on all of our finances, but I need to do it first of the month. He said, so me and my wife, we sat down 
and we talked about it, and we got online, and we made that reoccurring deal with their church in Dixon, and he said, but I was a little worried, and he said the reason I was worried is he had been going to the doctor, to the hospital to have some, some different things checked out, uh, and he said, I was really worried about what that medical bill was going to be, and it was kind of hard for me you know, to watch that money go out of my bank account knowing that I was, had a bill coming, and I wasn't sure what it was going to be. He said, we committed to tithe on Sunday. He said, on Tuesday, we got the bill in the mail. And I said, well, how much was it? He said, it was zero dollars. Come on and give God praise for that. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, listen, bro, God don't always work like that, okay? So don't get caught up in thinking that every time you give him some money, your bills are going to go down to zero. But it's just proof that God is faithful. I had another guy text me this week, and this was literally his text. He said, man, this tithe thing really works. And I was like, it does, it does. I wish, I wish I came up with it, but I didn't. God did. And so I just encourage you to step into it and trust God and watch what he does in your life. Amen? You ready for the word? Here we go. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're in Christmas at Victory. We'll finish it Friday night uh, at our Christmas Eve service. We've been reading through this just to remind ourselves of the season and then sharing some pretty cool principles out of it. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to read through to about verse 14, and then we'll get into the word. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So Caesar wants to get a count who's in, you know, how many people are in this family and all that. So he issues this decree and everyone goes to their own town to register. Everyone wants to register with their bloodline. So Joseph, uh, as you know, Mary's husband, uh, technically it's not Jesus' dad, but you get the point. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. He did that because he belonged to the house and the lineage, the line of David. That's why he went there to register. He went there to register with Mary, who he was pledged to be married to, and, he was, and they were expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for that baby to be born. Spoiler alert, said this last week, it's Jesus. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. And because there was no guest room available for them, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I just need you to understand many sermon that sometimes when you're in the presence of God and you're doing what God's called you to do, it can be terrifying. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. This is what we talked about last week. This is the hope, that hope is not in stuff, hope's not even in you, but hope is in Jesus alone, and that's the good news that's going to bring great joy for all people. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. It goes on to say, this will be a sign to you. Here's the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, this great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, this massive band, and they start praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Here's the part I want you to see. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to talk to you for a moment from the idea of misplacing peace. Misplacing peace. In our church that we were on staff at in Memphis, 
I was in an executive role, and so I was in charge of a lot of things. And one of the things this particular time was I was responsible for getting all of our uh, Christmas decorations out. We recycled Christmas decorations every year. And so we would get them out and put them up, and we had, you know, we had a system. We'd put this big reef here and this garland here and this tree here, and we kept it all upstairs in kind of an attic situation. And so I'd take some interns with me, and we'd go get it all out and set it up. And so one day we were uh, working. We were a little bit behind. We had a lot to do. And we, we had stumbled upon this nativity set. Y'all familiar with those kind of plastic nativity scenes? You got Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus and like, it always like a donkey. You know what I mean? It's never, it's just weird. It's like one donkey. And so we had that up there and I, I didn't know that we had ever used it, but we started talking and the intern thought it was really cool. And he was like, you know, maybe we should get it out. We should put it somewhere. Maybe if nothing else, give it to the youth ministry. And so I was like, all right, cool. Let's get it. So we gathered Joseph. I got Joseph under one arm. I got Mary under the other arm. And we're getting ready, and he finds the, the manger, but it was one of those sets where the manger and Jesus detach, okay? So you could have Jesus in this hand, and you could have the manger in this hand. And he goes, Pastor Troy, he said, I found the manger, he said, but I can't find Jesus. And I was like, well, that's not good. You can't have a nativity scene without Jesus. He tends to be the center point. And so we're looking around, and we find the donkey, and we're finding all this stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, what are we going to do? Like, we're running out of time. We need to go, and we cannot, I think it would be like, very bad to set up a nativity scene without baby Jesus. And here's what he said to me. He said, well, in a nativity scene, Jesus is always wrapped in cloth. So technically, we could just take anything and wrap it in cloth and put it in the manger and people will think it's Jesus. And I was like, well, there's got to be many things wrong with that. But, but technically, you're right, right? Technically, I, we could just take anything and wrap it up and, and put it in that manger. And when people, as long as they can't get close to it, they'll think it's Jesus. And as I'm reading Luke chapter 2, I'm imagining that when Jesus is born, these angels come in with this massive symphony. And the message that they sing to those of us that are on earth is that now that baby Jesus has come, peace is on earth. Jesus comes, God, the incarnation of God, God becomes man, comes in the form of a little baby, and now that Jesus has arrived, peace is on earth. Yet, the world that you and I live in wants us to believe that we can take anything, wrap it in cloth, and put it in the place of Jesus, and that all of a sudden we will have peace. That we could take relationships, wrap them in cloth, put them in a manger, peace. That we could take finances, wrap them in a cloth, put them in a manger, peace. We can take mindsets, opinions, government. We can take all these things, wrap it in a manger, or wrap it in a cloth, put it in a manger, and we'll have peace. But the truth of the matter is, there is only one, and there will ever only be one, who was sent to earth to be peace on earth. And I want you to understand that Luke chapter 2 does not say you will have peace from earth. It says you will have peace on earth. When you read Luke chapter 2, you may have caught it as I read through it. There's a moment where the gospels say that there was no guest room available. And depending on what versions you've read, depending on what songs you've sang, what poems you've looked through, you may have said it more like this before. There was no room in the inn, right? That's a little bit more familiar for you. And so we get this picture that um, Mary and Joseph have checked into the local Motel 6, and there's just no available room, and so stink. There's a barn in the back. Go put there. 
But Luke is the most accurate in the scriptures of describing the nativity scene. And when you break down the actual original translation, the word that he's talking about actually translate into the term guest room. And here's why. Because in that day, Mary and Joseph would not have been going to some type of random accommodation. Mary and Joseph would have gone to their family's home. They would have gone to relatives' home. And if you remember, there's this census that's out that Caesar Augustus has put out. So not only are Mary and Joseph on the move, but their entire families on the move. Now, I don't know if, I don't necessarily have this scenario, maybe you do, where your entire family gathers at one location for Christmas, where like 20 people come into a home where there's three bedrooms, right? You ever had one of those scenarios for the holidays? So all of the family has joined in at one time. So by the time Mary and Joseph get there, even though it's their home, there is no guest room available for Jesus. Somebody else is in the guest room. That makes sense? And it had me thinking, God sends peace to earth and someone else is in his place. And that tends to be what we deal with. That God has sent us peace, but when it comes time for us to receive it, someone or something is in his place. And I feel like the word that I have for us, not only as a church, not only as a people, but as parents and as children and as spouses, for the rest of the days that we have left in 2021 and the future that we have coming in 2022, the message that I have for us is this, we need to make room for peace. We need to make room for it. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. I want you to see it in the scriptures, not just out of my uh, interpretation, but it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Now here's peace. Remember, Jesus is peace. So it's time for peace. If you wanted to read that, it's time for peace to arrive. It's time for peace to be born. It's time for peace to come to earth. And she gives birth to her firstborn, a son. She wraps him in cloths and she placed him in the manger. Why did she place peace in a manger? Why is peace not in a bed? Why is peace not under a comforter? Why is peace not in a room? Why is peace not, why is peace in a manger? Because there is no guest room available. Peace has arrived, but there is no room for peace. And funny, Jeff kind of mentioned it a little bit. I think this season more than ever is a time where you and I have to make sure that we've made room for peace. Let me make something very clear, and I will uh, underline it and bold it by the time this message is over. We do not lack peace. Peace is available. Peace is present. It's just whether or not we make room for it. And so when I read this, I came to the natural question that I think you and I would come to, or that you would come to. Why wouldn't you stop and make room for peace? Right? Let's just talk about this for a second. You all have a favorite relative, and you all have a least favorite relative. Am I right? If they're in here with you, try to be quiet when you amen me for a second. But if everybody came over to your house, and your least favorite relative got the guest room, and your favorite relative didn't have anywhere to stay, I think you would kick that least favorite relative out of that room so that this, does that make sense, right? So I'm reading this and I'm like, why would you not stop what you're doing and make room for peace? Not only is she carrying the savior of the world, but she's pregnant. 
Like, get, you know, get Aunt, Aunt Elda and Uncle Pete and kick them out of the room, right? Say, so you got to go. You can sleep on the hide bed or you can sleep on, what's the little things called, the couch thing? Futon. You can sleep on the futon, but you got to get out of the room because we got a pregnant lady and we're pretty sure she's carrying the Savior of the world. And so you should make room for her. Let's get you out and let's put her in. Why would you not, why would we not stop what we're doing and make room for peace. And then it hit me. The reason that they would not make room for peace is because the peace of God did not, did not match their preference. You don't make room for peace if you don't think it's peace because it doesn't match your preference. No one saw peace showing up in Pampers, right? No, no one thinks that this is truly the peace on earth, peace of the world. So you don't make room for peace if you don't think it's peace, and you don't think it's peace when it doesn't match your preference. The Savior of the world is born to a tiny, insignificant town, to an insignificant couple. He's put in a food trough, a feeding trough, surrounded by farm animals. And the more I think about this, I'm like, if you're God, and you're sending the savior of the world, why would you not at least book an Airbnb, right? Like you would at least set aside a reservation, check it, you know, pick it up at will call. There's a room for you. I'm, I'm the savior. I'm, I'm, I'm the creator of the world. If nothing else, I can just make another room appear, but I'm going to make room for you. And that's not what happens. There's not a person, please catch this. There's not a person in this scenario, Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the animals, there's not a person in here that would have done it this way. It, there's not a person in this room that would have done it this way. You would have at least provided a bed for the pregnant lady. But for whatever reason, this doesn't match our preference. It is the way God chose to bring peace, but it doesn't match our preference. A lot of times when God promises us peace, what we hear God promising us is convenience or comfort. God says, I'm going to give you peace. And what we hear God saying is he's going to give us comfort or he's going to give us convenience. The other day, I was walking through the store. I think it was Target. I can't quite remember. And I walked by the candle section. Now, I'm, I'm semi not proud to tell you this, but I'm also kind of proud to tell you this. Um, I'm at a place in my life where I like to smell candles, okay? Uh, you judge me if you want. I'm not sure if it's because I'm old or because I'm just satisfied with life. But, but I, I will go to Cracker Barrel just to smell candles. I think Jeff Foxworthy made a whole bit about this one time. I'm not sure. But I'm just trying to figure myself out. So just don't judge me. It's okay. Uh, you'll get there at one point, have kids, be stressed. And you'll smell candles too. Um, you know, that's any way to get out of the house. Go smell candles at Target for a couple hours. And so I'm looking at the candles. I'm not going to buy any because candles are stupid expensive, right? I'm not spending $100 on a candle. And so I'm looking through it, and they had their, they agree. And so you had Christmas candles out, right? And so one flavor of the Christmas, can, or one scent, sorry, you don't eat the candles. Um, you can tell food, food is my love language. And so there's this candle, and it's, it, the scent is fig tree because it's, it's a holiday candle. It's fig tree because we all want our house to smell like fig trees. And so I keep on looking. There was gingerbread cookie. thought that was nice. And then the next one beside it was Christmas. That was the scent of it, Christmas. And I was like, 
what does Christmas smell like? Like, I'm just curious. Like, what? So I got the candle, and I opened it up, and I, and I smell it. And I, I can't quite describe it to you. I, I guess I would probably say, like, linen, maybe. Kind of like fresh linen is kind of what I would think it was. And so I'm sitting there, and I smell it, and I'm like, that's interesting. I put the candle back, and I just keep on walking to the store. And all of a sudden, I just had this thought. And I was like, you know what? If you really wanted to package Christmas in a candle, you wouldn't make it smell like linen. If you really wanted to package the Christmas story, what we just read, into a scent, there are other things that I would choose other than linen. For example, if they really wanted to have an accurate candle that displayed the scent of the Christmas story, it should be hay. Right? Like you just open it up and, ah, that smells like hay. Like, yeah, because that's probably what it smelled like. Or for that matter, like, you know, baby spit up. Right? Because I don't know if y'all know this, but Jesus was 100% baby. He spit up. Or I was even thinking, like, what if it was just like farm animal? Like you just open it up and it's like, ooh, that smells like donkey. You know what I mean? Like, good night. But well, we don't want that because that's not convenient. We want it to smell like fresh towels. But Christmas didn't smell like fresh towels because they weren't in a guest room that even had towels. And so for some reason, there's something in us that wants to shape Christmas and shape the story of Christmas and shape this concept of peace on earth to be more convenient and comfortable for us. But just because God said peace is coming did not mean he was saying comfort is coming or convenience is coming. He meant peace is coming. And last week I said that I think some of us have gotten into the confusion where we've traded hope for optimism. And this week I want us to understand that we have to be careful not to confuse peace for preference. There's a difference in the peace of God and the preference of how you wish things would go. We cannot confuse our peace from God with our preference. Thank you. Let me ask you it like this. Whose preference would it have been for God to send peace on earth through a newborn baby? I can tell you whose it wasn't. It wasn't Mary's preference. Here's how I know. There ain't a woman in this room that connects the term peace with pregnancy. Am I right? I get it. The first couple months, you're all cute. You know what I mean? You got like the little sweater where the ladies be in the mirror with the little bump. And they're showing it. They got the little, little sweater that comes down with the tights. And they're all cute. And everybody's like, oh, it's so cute. It's so peaceful. What's wrong with, you know, you have any problem? I just don't like the smell of pickles. But other than that, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's peaceful. Catch a woman on month nine. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, shut up. Get out of my way. I don't want to talk to you. I divorced my husband. I hate my life. Like, they're done. They're done. Because there's nothing peaceful about pregnancy. Can you imagine? Everybody pictures Mary following Joseph like, it's okay, honey. We can get there. Don't stress. I guarantee you she was calling him biblical names. Like, you Nebuchadnezzar, I'll tell you what. I'm. You know, it's just, it's just it would have been interesting because she's, in, she's going to torture. This is not peaceful, church. And then I thought about this. Is there anything less peaceful than a newborn baby? Anybody in here had a newborn baby recently? You're, you're about, you know, one to six months. Thank you. Okay, let's talk to y'all for a second. Because everybody else in here is a liar. And here's why. Because everybody else in here 
is either not had children or their children are old enough that when they think of newborn babies, they go, oh, they're so precious. Aren't they precious? And here's why they're precious. Because they can hold them for you and then go, thank you, have a good night. I'm going to go home and get 10 hours of sleep. But anybody in here who has either now had a newborn baby or because of what I said, flashbacks are coming back and you got PTSD of what happened when you had kids, you know it's anything but peaceful. It's terrible. Your hair's a mess. You're up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're mad at your husband because he's sleeping and snoring, and you're feeding the baby, and you are, all you want to do is hit him over the head with a brand-new frying pan, and you're, you know, it's just terrible. You know, you're trying to feed him. You're not sure what you're feeding the baby. The baby's spitting up. You don't have one shirt that doesn't have a stain from the baby spinning up on you. I've been with friends. They just wear it with pride. They're like, how many do I got? I'm like, seven. They're like, this is my cleanest shirt. It's okay. Like, it's just, we understand it. It's just completely peaceless. Meanwhile, are you ready for this? The nativity scene is lying to us. It's a, it's a lie. Whoever designed it, it's a lie. Mary sent, I can't, I can't get down my pants, too tight. But Mary sitting, she got, she got her legs, and she's all draped like this, and she's standing, and Joseph, he's all peaceful, like he's, you know, meanwhile, he don't even know whose baby this is. Can we talk about this? He's looking at all the shepherds going, that, that nose matches, I'm not quite sure. I, who, who delivered the milk? Who delivered the milk? You know, like there's no peace here. There's a donkey, the donkey's like this, like the donkey from Shrek, just chilling, you know. And I mean, and then the baby is in hay with a smile on their face. And I wish, look, if you're rich enough, do this for me. Design a realistic nativity scene. Design one where Mary has got one eye open and one eye closed. And her hair looks like the girl from Tangled when she wakes up and she, or, or, or Frozen and she's a hot mess. And get Joseph looking all insecure. Get the donkey. The baby's crying. Did you ever think about this? I know I'm going way too much on this. But I've thought about it a lot. Imagine with me. If you really want to know how peaceless this is. All my ladies, I'm here for you. This is for you, right? You finally get baby Jesus to sleep. You've been rocking him, trying to feed him. You've talked to his father in ways. It's your child. You need to get your kid. Finally, Jesus goes to sleep. And you move Jesus so peacefully over to the feeding trough. You lay him down. You look at Joseph like, if you say one word, I'll punch you in the mouth. And you back up, and all of a sudden, that donkey goes, <laughs> and that baby went, you, I mean, you never punched a donkey before, but you did. You know what I mean? It's completely peaceless. And this is what, look, we're being given. We had friends get us one of those nativity scenes where the candle melts in the back. It's so peaceful. I walk by it, and it's just like sunshine and flowers. Like, it's so peaceful. Neighbors in our, in, our, in our neighborhood, they have it in front of their house, and it's so peaceful. And, and I think when we really step back for a second and we understand what the nativity scene was really like, when, I think you can always identify the way God is through the way God works. And I think the reason that God sent peace the way he sent peace, the reason why he sent, it as, he sent him as a newborn baby in a feeding trough, in the hay, surrounded by farm animals, with an insecure husband and an exhausted mom. The reason why he sent it this way, you ready? Here's what you got to catch. You're not going to like it, but you got to catch it. It's because God wanted us to understand that the peace of God does not mean the absence of discomfort. You had to be able to grasp that. Just because it's the peace of God, 
it does not mean the absence of discomfort. And we are being taught in our culture that in order for us to have peace, we must not have discomfort. That in order for us to be able to fully grasp peace, everything has to be perfect. And God wanted you to understand that if peace had to be perfect, I would have sent Jesus as a warrior, but I sent him as a baby. Because I wanted you to understand that peace has nothing to do with what's going on around you. It was simply peace in him. In him. And what our world is saying, watch this, is that in order for us to have peace, we have to fix what is broken. If I'm going to have peace, i got to fix what's broken. Meanwhile, watch what God is saying. He says, I'll be your peace so that you can be settled in the midst of brokenness. Yeah, you, come on, you can give God praise for that. I worked really hard on that. But I'm going to say it again. Our world teaches us, in order for you to have peace, that you have to be, you have to figure out how to fix it. If I'm going to have peace, i got to fix this relationship. If I'm going to have peace, i got to fix my finances. If I'm going to have peace, i got to fix my kids, right? If I'm going to have peace, i got to fix this situation at work. And as soon as I fix this situation, then I will have peace peace. And God says, no, no, no. Peace, real peace is me understanding that I'm peace and therefore you are settled in the midst of brokenness. If you and I have to be able to fix the problem to have peace, we will never have peace. And here's why. Because there will always be another problem. If you're looking for peace in your marriage for fixing every problem, newsflash, 10 years from you're going to have a new problem. Because you're growing together. If you need your finances to be fixed so that you can have peace, guess what? There's always going to be another problem. You will not be able to fix the brokenness. But you can be settled in the middle of it. Now we're getting all these messages about the Omicron and the, the, the Transformers Comichon or whatever the new stuff is. And look, we all want it. Watch this. You think this is so on time. We wanted peace by the understanding that that was done. And now we don't have peace because we're hearing that it's not done. And God says, listen, quit worrying about if it's fixed. Just be settled in the midst of the brokenness by understanding that I am God. I am peace. The, the three Hebrew boys that were in the fire, they would tell you that peace is God removing them from the fire. Scripture says that God got with them, got in with them in the fire. He didn't fix the brokenness. He settled them in the brokenness. David is in the lion's den, and he would tell you that peace is to get me up out of this lion's den. But yet the Spirit of God comes in and shuts the mouths of lions because God says, you don't need me to fix the brokenness for you to be at peace. I just need to settle you in the middle of the brokenness. When the disciples are in the boat and the storm comes, peace for them would have been for him to take them out of the boat. But instead, Jesus gets in the boat and says, peace be still. Not because he stopped the storm, but because Jesus is in the boat. Peace for us would be for Jesus to remove us out of our situation. But instead, God comes to us through the Holy Spirit and is with us in our situation. He's with us. Peace is not necessarily you being taken out of your situation. Peace is God coming to be with you 
in your situation. Here's the way I wrote it, and this is what you should go home shouting. True peace is not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone. Real peace, the peace that is beyond your understanding that Jeff was talking about, it's not the absence of something. It's not God removing what you're struggling with. It is the presence of God himself. Not the removal of something, but the presence of someone. We don't need everything to be perfect so that we can have peace. We can have peace because Jesus is perfect. That's what matters. We're being taught that everything has to be perfect. For me to have peace, everything has to be perfect. No, for you to have peace, everything doesn't have to be perfect. For you to have peace, you have peace in Jesus because Jesus is perfect. Because Jesus, in the middle of your situation, is peace. He is peace. Right in the middle of whatever you have going on, he is peace. It's interesting that in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says something that if we're not careful, we will pass over. Interestingly enough, I don't see this crocheted on pillars, pillows for the Christmas season. This is not, you don't go into Hobby Lobby and it's like, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, John 16, 33. And here's why, all right? When we read this, you're going to see why. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. Where is, where is peace? Did you catch it? In where? In him. In me, in Jesus, you may have peace. Now watch what he says after that. In this world you will what? Have trouble. You ever seen that in Hobby Lobby on a poster or on a picture? Ever seen anybody hang up John 16, 33 in their living room right above their couch? You will have trouble. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Why? Because we want it to be convenient and comfortable. But he says, in me you will have peace, and in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. But be okay. Be peaceful. Be excited. Be expectant. Why, Jesus? You just told me I'm guaranteed to have trouble. Why should I have peace? Because I have overcome the world. Now, I don't know if you caught that. But in that scripture, he said, trouble is certain and peace is optional. Did you catch that? He said, in me, you what? You may have peace. You may. What does may mean? Let's go back to third grade for a second. May means you may or you may what? Not. It's optional. You may or may not. It's not optional because of him. It's optional on whether or not we receive it. Right? So he says you may have peace. But what did he say about trouble? Did you see that word in there? You what? Will have trouble. So he says Trouble is certain. Peace is optional. Because it's all about your perspective. He said peace is understanding that the trouble in the world doesn't matter because he's overcome it. But if we forget that peace is him, and we start thinking that peace is the lack of trouble, then we will not have peace. Does that make sense? So trouble is certain. Peace is up to us on whether or not we receive it, whether or not we take on the fact that Jesus is peace. When I read that, that verse, I immediately thought about a snow globe. Any of y'all, anybody got a snow globe in your Christmas decorations at home, right? Okay, so in case you don't know what a snow globe is, um, I'm going to turn the light on so you can see. This is one of those rich snow globes. It's not mine. Can't afford this. And, but, but it, it, you know, you, you kind of, you, if you've ever seen one, you shake it and what a snow globe, and it does all this pretty stuff, right? And it decorate. thank you. <laughs> wow, it's beautiful. I feel like Dr. Strange here for a moment. 
But here's what's so interesting about a snow globe. is like it was created for chaos. Right? Like, like the purpose of the snow globe is not to set on your counter and never be shaken. Like it's designed, it's created to be shaken up. Like that's the whole purpose of it. And here's what's funny is when I did this, nobody in here got concerned. Nobody here was like, oh, you're going to break it. Nobody's concerned for the, are those deer? Nobody's concerned for whatever animal is in this thing. And here's why. Because you understand that this is what it was created for. It was created to be shaken. It was created to have chaos. And guess what? The crazier it is, the prettier you think it is. But here's what's interesting. This is actually Jessica Fan's snow globe. And she's not concerned because I'm holding it. Now, she probably should be, but, but she's not. Uh, I think it was last year, I told y'all before, Darla and I took Vader and Casey to Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana. You should go there, check that out. And um, while we're there, there's this Christmas store. And we go in the Christmas store, and Casey Ray would have been, I don't know, maybe six, uh, maybe, maybe not quite yet. And we go into this Christmas store, and there's Christmas decorations everywhere, and it's expensive. And there's this, like, whole shelf of snow globes. And she runs up, and she picks up the snow globe. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I was like, let me see the snow globe. I looked at it, and it was glass. It was like $50. And I was like, you can't shake this snow globe. We put that back. So I put it back, and we looked at it, and we found a little kid's snow globe. I'm like, all right, you can push it. Because I did not trust that snow globe in her hand. All right? Let me tell you why this is important. If I understand that the purpose of this is to be shaken, if I understand that the purpose of this is to be chaotic, when I understand that there will be chaos, my only real concern is who's holding it. As long as the right person's holding it, this is irrelevant to me because this is what's supposed to happen. The only thing that gets me concerned is whose hands is it in because if the hands that are holding it are not reliable, then real damage can happen. What John 16, is telling you is it's supposed to happen. So don't be concerned by chaos. Only be worried about whose hands your life is in. Amen? If, if, if our life is in the hands of God, then this is not a concern to us. Because trouble will happen. If you have a snow globe and somebody visits your house, it's pretty much guaranteed that they're going to pick it up and shake it. Because it's fun. Jesus was so clear. Trouble is certain. But you can have peace when you understand and accept the fact that Jesus has overcome the world and that your peace is not based on what you are going through, that your peace is not based on perfection because Jesus is perfection, that your peace is not based on the absence of something, it's based on the presence of someone, that it's not based on you being able to fix the brokenness, your peace is based on the fact that Jesus will be with you and settle you in the midst of brokenness. So the more I read that, and I just felt like I needed to share something with you that meant a lot to me in this season. And that is you understanding that it's 
whether or not we, we have peace is up to us. It's up to us because peace is not comfort. Peace is an understanding that even, watch this, that even in moments of discomfort, God is with us and that he will be called Emmanuel. When baby Jesus is born, they say we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The incarnation of God, as I said, God coming from heaven, being born of a virgin so that he could be both 100% man and 100% God because the 100% man of him empathizes with us when we go through something and the 100% God of him transforms and gives us supernatural peace. It's understanding that even in the midst of your trial, you can have peace because God is with you. The question is not, is he able to give you peace? He is peace. The question is whether or not you allow him to be in that place or whether or not we'll wrap something else up and try to call it peace in his place, but understanding that Jesus is peace. And then here was just kind of the summary of all that for you and for your family for 2021 and for the soon coming 2022. You need to understand that peace is always within reach. It's always within reach. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how bad the situation seems. It doesn't matter how imperfect, and it doesn't matter how broken it is. It doesn't how, matter how many times you've tried, nor how many times you've failed. The peace of God is 100% always within reach. And I want to show you that, and then I want to spend a little bit of time in prayer. To show you that, I want to give you a verse that is one of my memory verses. Um, it's a verse that I would really encourage you to memorize. I think it's life transforming. It's in the book of Philippians. It's in chapter 4. And what matters the most at this current moment is verses 6 and 7. I really encourage you to memorize it all the way to about verse 9 or 10. But 6 and 7 is what I want to talk to you about for a moment. Let's read it together. I'm going to break it down. Philippians 4, verses 6 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be worried about anything. Do not lose your peace about anything. Anything. Your marriage? Yes. Anything. My finances? Yes. Anything. My family, yes. My health, yes. Do not be worried, anxious, or peaceless about anything. But in every situation, that situation, yes. But is that too big for God? No. Is that too small for God? No. In every situation. How? By prayer and by petition. And then with thanksgiving. So by prayer, by petition. Petition is going, God, I need you. I'm going to pray with a little bit of extra excitement, a little bit extra loud, you know, uh, volume in my voice. It's petition with thanksgiving. But even if you don't, God, but even if you don't, you're worthy. Prayer, petition, with thanksgiving. Watch this. Present your request to God. Whatever is causing peacelessness in your life, you present it to God. And here's, here's my favorite part. And then the peace of God. You give that to God, then the peace of God. Well, well, describe the peace of God to me. Okay, it transcends all understanding. How can I have peace about this situation when we're still in the middle of it? How can I have peace about this situation when it doesn't have any hope to actually be fixed? Because the peace of God transcends your understanding your ability to process it, your ability for it to make sense, 
the peace of God transcends it. And what does it do? It will guard your heart and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. So, so let me just say it real quickly all together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. How can I have peace in 2021? How, how can I have peace in 2022? How can I have peace in high school? How can I have peace when I'm surrounded by all my family in a couple of days? How, how can I have peace in my marriage? How can I have peace in my finances? How can I have peace with my children? How can I have peace? How, how can I have peace at my job? How can I have peace when everything around me is peaceless? Well, we're told in Philippians to give it all to God, to trust Him with all things, every situation. And once we give God all of our problems, we then can embrace all of his peace. But you have to understand the description of his peace. Because the description of his peace is that you will not understand it. You will not be able to make sense of it. It'll be peace in the middle of brokenness. You'll be on a boat in the middle of a storm. And yet you have supernatural peace. How? Because it's the peace of God, the one who holds the globe in his hand, the one who authored the days, the one who knows more than you know. We met with our directors last night for Christmas, and I said, listen, listen. I told him, I said, hang on tight to God, because we're going to go through stuff over the next couple of years, because every year brings new challenges. But if you'll hang on tight to God, at some point you're going to look back and you're going to see all that God has done and you're going to praise God for it. And it doesn't make sense in the moment and it may not make sense in entirety, but if you will trust the author of your life, when you get to the end, you will go, I'm so glad that I did. And you understand that he is peace. And my cry for you is this, he's within reach. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do you notice he didn't say that I can be your peace if you? He said you in me may have peace. He came as a baby, the weakest form he could possibly come. Why? So that you would understand that in your weakest moment, he's enough. He's peace. And he's available, but you have to be able to grasp it. You have to be willing to reach out and receive it. Um... I don't know if I can do the math right on this. I think about 17, I don't know where she went. I'm worried if I say this wrong. About 17 years ago, I got married. Um, it's been a great, it's felt like one year. And um, when, when, when we first started doing Christmas with her family, my, my in-laws are actually in town. Uh, Mom, Mom, Poppy is what we call them in my household. And when we started doing Christmas together, Poppy, my, my father-in-law, he, he loves to do these creative ways to, to give Christmas presents. If you know him, he, he's a hoot, such a great person to be around, phenomenal guy. And the very first few times we did Christmas together, it was kind of weird because I had never experienced it before. And so to give you an idea, like just to give you an example, if he was going to give you a gift card, he would take like one of those tins that cookies come in for Christmas and he would fill it with like marbles and different stuff. And then he would put like the gift card on the, you hear him laughing because he probably did it, this, you know, we'll see this Saturday. And he would tape the gift card on the top and then he'd wrap the whole thing. So you're going in there and you're grabbing it and you're shaking it and you're like, what in the world 
I didn't, I didn't ask for anything that sounds like this. And, you know, you'd open it up. And to this day, my favorite one, not that you care, but I'm going to tell you anyway because you don't got nowhere to go. Um, one of my favorite ones was he took a two-liter bottle. I can't remember if it was like Coke or Fanta or something. I still don't know how he did this. But he, he, he cut something and, and put a gift card in there. But he painted, he emptied it out, and he painted the inside of it. So it looked like it was full or whatever it was. Put the lid back on it, taped up, put, put the packaging back around it, wrapped it. And, you know, it's wrapped perfectly. So you know it's a two-liter bottle of something. And, and uh, what was it? Eggnog. Oh, right. It was eggnog. That's right. And, uh, and so you open it up, and you're like, what in the world? And so I'm looking on the bottom. I'm looking on top. No gift card. And I'm like, what? Is, like, did you get me eggnog? Like, I don't, I don't drink eggnog. What is this? And he's like, got to keep looking. And I'm looking. And I mean, it was it, it, to the point that I had to go to him with it. And I'm like, you got to show me. I can't figure it out. Just, I, I can't wait. I know, I know you're stepping your game up this year. I can't wait to experience it. But I'll never forget this moment. One, I don't remember what Christmas it was. It was years ago. And, and I get a lot of gift cards. I'm hard to buy for. And they bless me so much with gift cards and stuff. And so uh, we're done. We've done Christmas trash and stuff everywhere. And Mama was in the kitchen. And I walked in and she said, so did you have a good Christmas? And I said, I had a great Christmas. And she said, uh, how many gift cards did you get? And I was like, ah, five gift cards. And she was like, five? I said, yeah, you know, H&M and American Eagle and, you know, Lids. And she's like, did did you get a Nike gift card? I said, no, I didn't get a Nike gift card. She goes, oh, well, that's, that was the most expensive gift card. So she's like, come on, we need to go find it. So we go back into the living room and we're looking through all the trash and we're looking at all these, all these, I mean, like ramp bottles, cans. He has this one thing that springs out and jumps at you and all this kind of stuff. And we're looking and we, we can't find it. And so we go to him and we're like, hey, you know, Mama said that there's a Nike gift card and I can't find it. And he's like, hmm, let me see. And we go and we find out that there was this one gift where he had put two gift cards. And so the Nike gift card was hidden a little bit better. And so when I opened up and found the cheaper gift card, it was like a $10 gift card, I thought that was the gift. And so I just laid the whole contraption down on the ground. And we were about to be done for Christmas, and that was going to go into the trash. And it was crazy to me that as I was sitting there unwrapping this gift, this gift card was within my reach, and I didn't even know it. And I literally almost allowed that gift to be lost because it was right there. And I didn't know it. And sometimes it's hard for us to reach out and grab something that we aren't aware is right there. And here's what the Lord told me this morning. You ready? He said, I was going back over this story in my mind. And he said, isn't it funny? This is how he talks to me. He said, isn't it funny that in order for you to locate the gift, you had to go back and ask the one who knew where he put it. And I'm just here to tell you this morning that some of us were sitting in the presence of peace and it's within reach. And it's not that you don't want it. It's not that you don't believe it. You just weren't aware that it was there. And I'm telling you right now that we've returned to the one who put it there to begin with, the one who sent the Savior of the world, in the form of a baby, to let you know that God is with us. That presence is here. Peace is here. It's amongst us. And it's within reach. It's peace for your marriage. It's peace for your health. It's peace for your finances. It's peace for your trouble. It's peace of mind. It's within reach. You just got to reach out and take it. And the only way you're going to realize it is for us to take a moment 
and return to the one who put it there to begin with. You say, well, Troy, here's, here's the deal with all of that. As I'm aware that in Luke chapter 2, he sent Jesus in the form of a baby to illustrate that peace is with us, God is with us. But Jesus isn't here anymore. So does that mean that now peace is not with us anymore? And I would tell you it's why Jesus said, I've got to go. But I'm sending another one. One who's better. One who will be able to be with you and 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 with you simultaneously. The Holy Spirit. It was Jesus' way of saying in 2021, December 19th, God will be with you. He's with you. Peace is right in front of us. But it's whether or not we receive it. So do me a favor. Would you stand for just a moment? I wanted to just give you an opportunity to be able to receive that peace. I just don't want anybody to be like I was a few Christmases ago. I don't want you to be sitting in the presence of peace and walk out and leave it, walk out without it. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the situation is, no matter how chaotic your life feels, he is peace. But the peace of God doesn't necessarily mean the absence of discomfort. And I feel like somebody in here needs to hear that. Because you think that in order for you to have peace, every situation in your life has to be perfect. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says he's perfect. All you got to do is let him get into the situation. I would never pretend to know what anybody in here is dealing with. But what I do know is that he's sufficient. I do know that he's enough. I do know that he is not peace from earth. He is peace on earth. And I know that's the real thing that we celebrate in this season. So Father, I thank you right now for every person in this room. Lord, you know what they're dealing with, I don't. You know what they need to hear from your scriptures. You know what they need to feel from your presence. And I pray right now that you would help them to understand that the peace that they're looking for is within reach. We will have trouble. You've said it. We know it. But you said that we can have peace because you've overcome the world. There's no problem too big. There's no problem too small. pray right now for, for couples, for students, I pray for single moms, single dads, 
grandparents. I pray for those who've lost loved ones. I pray for those who are worried about the future. I pray for those who are stressed out because of this season. I pray for those who are struggling financially. I pray for those who are having anxiety and depression. That right now, Father, you would just give them supernatural peace. That they would receive it. That you would help them right now to realize it's available and it's within reach. Here's something I want to do. Keep your eyes closed if you can. I, I want to do this. Band, go ahead and get ready to get into the song. I, I, want, I want to challenge you to do something as we close. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, they're going to start singing in a minute. And we're singing Here Comes Heaven, right? There's a song called Here Comes Heaven. It's talking about as Jesus is, is baby's coming, here comes heaven. And I'm just going to encourage you. I don't know if you do this. If you don't do this, I really encourage you to do it. As we get into the song, I just want you to lift your hands. And I just want that to be kind of a symbol moment of you being able to give whatever it is that you're dealing with to God. I said earlier that if you'll give God all that you have, you can then embrace all of his peace. And, and if it makes you uncomfortable, that's fine. You don't have to do it. But I'm just encouraging you. There's nothing like having that moment where you can release whatever it is that you're going through. Listen, for some of you, there's been something on your mind stressing you for the past few weeks. And you can't understand how you can have peace in the middle of discomfort. And I'm telling you, he is peace in the middle of discomfort. He is peace in the middle of imperfection. He is everything and all things. He's all you need. He's right now. He's here. He's within reach. And he's crying out, let me be your peace. Let me be your peace. And it won't be by your preference. It won't be by your preference. But right now, supernaturally, in the middle of it all, God will be all you need. Here comes heaven. Heaven comes to earth. The Holy Spirit is here now for you, for me, for peace. Whatever we do, let's not walk out of this place and leave it. But let's take a second and go to the one who knows where we can find it and receive it. So lead us into that song, man.